Let's turn to John the 10th chapter and 2 Corinthians the 9th chapter. In um, John 10 and verse 10, Jesus said this, The thief comes not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. You believe that? Who said it? Jesus, the head of the church. So is it right? So how come so many Christians blame God for stealing and killing and destroying? I'd say most church-going folks in the country and the world blame God for bad things just like they do good things. To them, it's all God. Everything that happens is God. Somehow, mysteriously, the will of God. The Bible doesn't teach that. I said the Bible doesn't teach that. Jesus didn't teach that. Did he? What did he say? You remember that woman that was bent over and couldn't straighten up herself? The Bible said there was a woman that was taken with a spirit of infirmity. She was bent over and she couldn't raise herself up for all those years. And uh, Jesus called her and uh, they talked about whether it was right to do good or bad on the Sabbath day. And he said, ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound all these years, be loosed from this infirmity on the Sabbath day? Who did Jesus say did this to this woman? Satan. Then why is so much of the church saying God is in putting cancer on people and, and arthritis and, and all this kind of stuff? You know, I'd like to think that most of the church world doesn't believe that. But the truth is, as we stand and sit here tonight, you and I are the minority in believing this. But I believe we're with Jesus in believing it. <laughs> Acts 10 said how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power. He went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. The Bible said everybody that Jesus healed was satanically oppressed. None of them was sick because God was doing something in their life with that disease. I know that's contrary to a lot of traditional thinking, but you know, in order for something to be scriptural, you know what you need for it? Scriptures. Scriptures. <laughs> and when the scriptures contradict what you think you believe, it's time to change. You'll believe it. I don't care if mama believed it and grandma and all your family and all your denomination. It's time to change. Whether it's me, you, any of us. People say, well, I got a right to my beliefs. Actually, you don't. No, you don't. If Jesus is your Lord, you're supposed to believe what he tells you to believe. Not just make up stuff as you go along. <laughs> Jesus said, the thief comes not, but for to steal and to kill and destroy. I'm come that you might have life and have it, have it more abundantly. This is John 10.10. 10. And the Amplified says it like this. The thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. This word abundance, abound, abounding is from some of the same Greek words. And it means a similar thing. Let me read the definitions to it. These words translated this mean uh, to superabound. 
Now, this is technical, and it's a reason you abound is not enough. Doesn't describe what the word means. You have to put the word super in front of it. And another one says to be in excess, excessive, in the sense of beyond. Another one says enough and more. Another one says surplusage. Is God a God of abundance? Yes, he is. What does that mean, abundance? In previous times and sessions, we've talked about how that God's first covenant people that he delivered out of Egyptian bondage experienced three levels of living. There was Egyptian living, which was total lack. They were slaves. They didn't own their own bodies or the rags on their back. Then he brought them out with silver and gold. Hallelujah. And there was not one feeble person uh, among their tribes and they experienced wilderness living. And out in the wilderness, the Bible said, he that gathered much didn't have anything over and he that gathered little didn't have any lack. So it was only just enough. And it was miraculous. God rained manna out of the sky daily and they had water out of the rock. But was that God's highest and best? Is wilderness living God's highest and best? No. And they weren't supposed to be out there for 40 years. They were supposed to learn some faith lessons and how to obey and and just go right straight through. It wasn't that far to the promised land. And in the promised land was another level of living waiting them. Is that right? He said it's a land where you won't want or lack for anything. It's a land that flows with milk and honey. Does this sound like abounding, surplus, excess? Well, think about the grapes that they brought back to show the other guys. Two men had to carry this cluster of grapes. That's surplusage. That's too much grapes. God's always been this way. But you know, can you see? This is typical, 1 Corinthians tells us, of what's happening to us. Uh, It's been typified by what happened to them. And can you see that a lot of folks, they're, they're having just enough. And they're having some supernatural, even some spectacular provision. And they think... Well, that's God's best. But no, just enough is not God's best. It's better than not enough. Oh, yes, it is. But if you've only got just enough, what can you do for others? If it's just enough for you, it's not enough for anyone else. Right? And if you give it to them instead, then you're in lack. So it's either them in lack or you in lack. Could it be God's will? For you to have plenty for you, plus, plus, surplus for you is provision for somebody else. Can you say amen? Look in 2 Corinthians, the ninth chapter. 2 Corinthians 9 and 6. I'm reading the NIV. 9, 6 says, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he's decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able. How many would agree God is able? A whole lot of folks holler God is able, but they don't quote the rest of the verse. God's able to do what? He's able. I'm reading the NIV. He's able to make all grace do what? 
abound, that's that word, abound to you. And here you see the results of this abounding grace. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Oh, somebody say glory to God. Verse 11 says, you'll be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. Hallelujah. Say it out loud. Rich in every way. Generous on every occasion. Is that the will of God? For you? For me? For all of us? Not everybody believes this. I do. Me and three others in here. I do. How about you? I, I believe it. You know, some things you need to speak up on. You know, did you know the Lord will be to you whatever you say he is to you? It's not enough to just believe God exists. You know, you can believe God is real and God exists and not be saved. The Bible said the devils believe there's a God and tremble. Are they saved? No. You can believe in Jesus. You can believe that he went to the cross. You can believe that he died. and You can even believe he's raised from the dead. And that alone won't make you saved. You have to receive him for yourself. Confess that he is your Lord or my Lord. Somebody say he's my Lord. Well, how about is it his will for you to have all and abound? So you need to say he's this to me. He's my abundant, abounding provider. He's my faithful protector. Me, not just a provider. He's my provider. Not just a healer. He's my healer. My healer. He's my savior. He's my provider. He's my healer. I can't believe that for you. You can't believe that for me. Nobody can believe that for you. They can believe it with you, but not for you. Won't you say it again? He's my savior. My healer. My provider. My deliverer. deliverer. He gives me. me Abounding grace. grace. So I always. Have all sufficiency. In all things. And can abound. To every good work. He does it for me. He does it for me. I know sometimes this is new to some folks. They say, why are you always talking and saying things? Why are you always saying, say this, say this? Well, uh, Jesus is the high priest of what we say. He works with what we say. Did anybody know how you get born again? You believe it in your heart and what does Romans 10 say? You say it, confess it with your mouth. Well, that's how it all works. That's not just how you get born again. That's how the whole thing works. Thank you, Lord. Go with me to Ephesians, please. Third chapter, 20th verse. Ephesians 3, 20. I'm reading Amplified. It says, Now to him who by the action of his power that's at work within us is able. That sounds like the one we just got through reading. Able. He's able. To do super abundantly. Far above, far over and above, which this is the word and then the definition of the word. 
in the verse together. Superabundantly, what does that mean? Far over and above. All that we ask or think. Beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. Is he that kind of God? Is that his will? He's not a not enough God. He's not a just enough God. He is a more than enough God. He's the God of increase. He's the God of abundance. Abundance. And we need to feed on this. Because, you know, the enemy is always trying to... Uh, get thoughts and feelings and confusion in people that you're, everything's running out. Everything's running out. There's a shortage of everything. These are lies. I said these are lies. If people are experiencing shortages again and again, it's because of fear. It's because of mishandling things. God did not put us on a planet that can't sustain us. Don't you believe it? I said, don't you believe it? It's just not true. There is more than enough for everybody on the planet to be rich, rich, rich. Now a lot of folks are never going to experience it because they don't even acknowledge God. Much less try to follow Him. But because so many are not going to believe it and pursue it, some of us need to follow it stronger and get enough for us and them. (laughs) And that's another message. But go with me to another verse here, please. Proverbs, the 13th chapter. If this is the first one of these uh, messages on this subject that you've been with us on, all of the previous ones are available. We've covered a lot of ground already. Go back to the back, get you a CD or DVD. Go online, it's the easiest, quickest way. Download it and uh, get all of it. And I think we're, um, I mean, we've got like a dozen messages or so already on this. So, uh. Catch up with us. Because if you don't, you know, it's like a lot of other things. If you, How many of you try to get into algebra and you've never done addition? It's real challenging. And it's, <laughs> so, and I'm not saying it's that complicated, but uh, one thing does build on the other and helps you to get the most out of it. Proverbs 13. Proverbs 13. What we're after in these things is not just knowledge. Knowledge is not enough. Knowledge is not faith. You don't believe God with your head. The Bible says, for with the heart man believes. And so how does faith come? It comes by hearing. Even after your head has some knowledge in it, that doesn't mean that's the last you need to hear of it. Because you ate a potato one time, that means you never need to eat another one. If the potato helped you 20 years ago, it'll help you today. Right? <laughs> and so you need to hear the same word over and over again because it'll nourish your spirit. It'll feed your faith. In uh, Proverbs 13 and 22, notice this. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. That's his grandkids. Is that the will of God for everybody to be so blessed? That when they leave the world, they have left plenty for their kids and their grandkids. Is that the will of God or not? Is it Bible? And the wealth of the sinner is laid up for his kids and grandkids too. (laughs) 
No. 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 Let me read some other translations. NIV says, A good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children, but a sinner's wealth is stored up. They got an idea of what they're storing it up for. But that's not what it's going to go for. (laughs) They saved it up. But that's not what it's going to go for. The Living Bible says, When a good man dies, he leaves an inheritance to his grandchildren. But when a sinner dies, his wealth is stored up for the godly. Is that true? Is that true? The complete English says, if you obey God, you'll have something to leave your grandchildren. Anybody believe that or not? If you don't obey God, those who live right will get what you leave. This is another way of saying the same thing. One says, ill-gotten wealth. The message Bible says, ill-gotten wealth. Well, that'd be if you're sinning. Ill-gotten wealth ends up with good people. The easy to read says, wealth hidden away by sinners will be given to those who live right. Look in Job, the 27th. Chapter. The Bible said in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. This is the portion of a wicked man with God, Job 27, 13. And the heritage of oppressors, which they shall receive of the Almighty. This is a King James. If his children be multiplied, it's for the sword, and his offspring shall not be satisfied with bread. Those that remain of him will be buried in death, and his widows shall not weep. The way of the transgressor is hard. How many know it does not pay to rebel against God? It does not. Folks may look like they're getting away with things for a season, but it ain't over. People say, well, I know somebody. I mean, they died and it never caught up with them. It's not over. I don't care if you did die. It ain't over. (laughs) Verse 16, though he heap up silver as the dust and prepare raiment as the clay. He may prepare it, but the just shall put it on. And the innocent shall divide the silver. That's saying a similar thing, isn't it? Wealth of the unjust, wicked sinners, is laid up for the just, the righteous, the godly. We believe that or not? Ecclesiastes 2, here's a third witness. Ecclesiastes 2, 26 Ecclesiastes 2, 26. God gives to a man that is good in his sight and knowledge and joy. But to the sinner, he gives travail to gather and to heap up that he may give to him that is good before God. They work, 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 work. Lie, steal, cheat, hoard, hide. But it's not going to wind up with what they thought or what they planned or to their successive generations according to the word. It's going to wind up in the hands of those that love God and do what he says is right. Another verse says those that have pity on the poor. You believe this? Do we have any idea what kind of wealth is hoarded by the ungodly? 
in this world. There are untold, numbered Swiss accounts, Cayman accounts, on and on and on. Billions and billions and trillions. There's all kind of wealth that's just sitting in places. It's been sitting there for a long time. Certain folks can't take it out because when they do, folks are going to know, where did that come from? (laughs) And it's a question they don't want to answer. (laughs) But according to the word, all of this wealth Belongs to the sinners in ungodly world. And most Christians are going to be poor. And that's just the way it is. And we need to sing that we don't want any of this old world's goods. Yes? That's what's happening. (laughs) But again, not scriptures. Not Bible. I just wanted to reaffirm, I know some of you knew it, it always has been, and it is the will of God for the vast wealth that people have, ungodly folks, have accumulated through evil stuff is supposed to wind up in the hands of the godly, righteous. To do what he wants done with it. Anybody believe that or not? Now. (laughs) Having said that. (laughs) We're not seeing so much of it. Now are we? (laughs) So wonder what could be. (laughs) The hold up. (laughs) The issue. (laughs) Isaiah. The first chapter. And the 19th verse, just put it up on the screen, but you don't have to turn there. I'm going to tell you a story. My father in the faith, Kenneth Hagin Sr., he's in heaven now. But he said uh, he had been in the ministry for about 12 years pastoring. And the Lord kept dealing with him to leave his pastorate, go out on the road and have meetings in neutral places, civic centers, convention halls. And not make it labeled any denomination, but call it all faiths and invite people from every group to come. And you know, you can certainly see the wisdom of the Lord because a lot of groups are just not going to go to the other group's church. But on these neutral places, they would. He'd get all different denominations and groups coming. But this was when he was getting it settled in his spirit that that's what he's supposed to do. And so he did. He left. And... uh, He's gone most of the time out on the road and his family's back home. And month after month, he's going in the hole financially. And uh, eventually he, his car is worn out. His tires are bald. His kids don't have the clothes they should have. Their food is not what it should be. And this is month after month after month. And so he said he began to fast and pray and seek the Lord about this. How many know that is the thing to do? I mean, when when things are not right, don't just keep bumping your head against the wall. Get serious about seeking God. Ask him what's wrong. Now, some people, you know, have jumped to wrong conclusion. They say, well, God's testing me with these bald tires and my kids not have. No, no, no. You're supposed to have full provision. And if you don't, something's not right. And it's not God's fault. 
We're the ones that need to make the changes. And so he uh, he began to uh, seek the Lord and do some fasting, he said. And he said he'd quote this verse to the Lord. He said, Lord, you said, if I'd be willing and obedient, I would eat the good of the land. And I left my last church. I didn't want to. The congregation took the best care of us we had ever been taken care of in all my years of pastor. We lived in the best parsonage we ever lived in. They bought me clothes and my wife clothes every year to go to the conventions. And they gave us half the food we ate, a great salary. And now I don't have that and my kids are not at it. He said, he said I did what you told me to do. I left and I'm going out on the road, but I'm not eating the good of the land. I'm not eating the good of the land. And he said this went on for days and weeks actually. And so again, he, he spent some extra time saying, Lord, I did what you told me to do. I left my last church. I, I'm out on the road, but I'm not, I'm not eating the good of the land. I'm hurting. I can't keep doing this. I'm going in the hole every month. And he said the Lord spoke to him. He said, the Lord said to him, you keep quoting that verse to me. (laughs) He said, the reason you're not eating the good of the land is because you don't qualify. He said, it felt like somebody hit him in the stomach. He thought, Lord, you've hit me a low blow. What do you mean I don't qualify? I did do what you told me to do. I left my comfort and security. We went out on the road. I'm doing what you told me to do. He said, the Lord said, no, read the verse again. If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. He said, yeah, you did it, but you weren't willing. You're still not willing. You don't qualify. (laughs) Selah. How many know if you're still griping? And feel bad about it. And begrudge doing it. You're not willing. Are you? (laughs) We're having fun tonight aren't we? I'm telling you what he said. Okay. This is his testimony. He said the Lord told him. The reason you're not eating the good of the land. Is you don't qualify. You haven't done what the verse said. Yeah you obeyed. You did it. But you weren't willing. And you're still not willing. Brother Hagin said he saw it. He saw it. He said, Lord, okay. (laughs) I'm willing. (laughs) He said, don't tell him you can't get willing in a hurry. He knew he made the adjustment in his heart. He said, Lord, I'm willing. You know I'm willing. The devil knows I'm willing. I'm willing. And to make a long story short, not long after that, things turned around for him. They began to have all they needed and more in abundance and just came up, 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 up. And eventually they got a whole uh, Bible school and I don't know what, 100 acres out there, whatever it is, and training thousands of students to go all over the world. Millions and millions and millions of dollars. Well, that's a long ways from bald tires, isn't it? So they did eat the good of the land and keep going. But there was a time in his life when he was not. And he wasn't experiencing it. Well, notice this. That thought came to me concerning this, uh, the wealth of the sinner being laid up for the just. Look in Proverbs again, I believe it is. The 28th chapter. Proverbs 28. We know surplus is the will of God. We know 
abundance is his will. We know it's the will of God for even the vast resources that have been hoarded and unjustly gotten by wicked people is supposed to wind up in the hands of God's people. Righteous, godly people. We know it has, we haven't seen it like we desire to see it, but we know it's the will of God. And this is the thing you got to get settled. Whether you see it or not, if the Bible says it, you need to agree with it. And don't try to water down the Bible to fit your lack of experience in life. Believe God to raise your experience to match the Bible. Don't try to explain it away. Say, Lord, bring me up to that, please. Show me what's got to change. So we can see this coming to pass in our life. Well the Lord prompted me with this. In Proverbs 28 and 20. Proverbs 28 20. It says. A faithful man. Shall what? There's that word. Shall abound. With blessings. But he that makes haste to be rich. Shall not be innocent. It's not just about how quick you can get something. Or how much money you can get. Or stuff you can get. It's about what? Verse 20. It's about faithfulness. 28.20. It's about faithfulness. Listen to the easy to read. People who can be trusted. Will have many blessings. You believe that or not? The faithful will abound. In blessings. But those who are just trying to get rich in a hurry. Will be punished. A faithful person. The NET says. Will have an abundance. Of blessings. What kind of person? Faithful. Faithful. Everybody say faithful. Now we know. Abounding. In blessings. Surplus. Is God's will. We know what kind of person. Is going to be used. Who. Is going to qualify. To handle. Some of these wealth of the wicked. Who? Faithful people. Faithful people. Now when we hear that, so many are too quick to go, oh, well, no problem. Yeah, we're all pretty much faithful, right? (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Let's talk about that. Uh, (laughs) Proverbs... Back up to 20, chapter 20, verse 6. It says, most men will do what? Verse 6, 20, verse 6. Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness. But a faithful man is easy to find. No, who can find? What does that mean, who can find? Are faithful people easy to find? Are they common? Are they plentiful? No. No. They're not. And this is the revelation that I think much of the church world has not gotten. They've not associated that certain things faithful people will be a part of and those who are not won't be. Even though they're believers. And to know what faithfulness actually is. I think there's a real lack of understanding about what a faithful person is. If they're not common, if they're not just plentiful, what distinguishes a faithful man or woman 
from one who's not faithful. Let me define faithful for you from the words that are used in the Hebrew here in this verse. It's very simple. Very simple. It literally means to be trusted or reliable. It basically means you can trust them. You can count on them. What's faithful? Help me out, friends. What's faithful? You can trust them. You can rely on them. Now, we need to keep going. Rely on them to what? (laughs) Trust them to do what? This is where we need clarity. And the Lord gave me some today. Gave me some today. I'm excited about it. Anybody interested in being faithful? Tell me what happens for the faithful man, the faithful woman. I didn't intend to go this way today and tonight. I was already to preach and wave my arms and spit cotton talking about overflow. (laughs) Overflow. Sounds good, don't it? Overflow. But from the beginning of this series, the Lord has brought me back to this over and over and over again. I didn't plan on this being the recurring theme of the series, but it is. And now I see it clearer than ever. It reminds me of what happened to me, I told you, but I'll say it again because we have new people and and it won't hurt you to hear it another time. Either. That's right. When I, this is 28, 30 years ago, I was ministering, Brother Hagin's ministry in the healing school. And I, he was there ministering. And then not too many years later, he had me to minister there. And I felt like I was not ready. I mean, here, he's got all this experience. He's got visitations by the head of the church. And... And in the healing ministry, such a powerful healing ministry, and then he's not there now, he's doing other things, and I'm supposed to minister to the people, I felt for them. (laughs) I even told the Lord, I said, Lord, these people got serious problems. This is a healing school. Many of them have been pronounced terminal, incurable, told you got two weeks to live. I thought, Lord, you know, they don't need some newbie wet behind the ears practicing on them. They need real help. But the Lord helped me, and I knew, I didn't know a whole lot, but I knew it's the anointing that breaks the yoke. It's the anointing that removes the burden and destroys the yoke. And so I proceeded to bug the Lord for some more anointing. (laughs) If I asked him once, I must have asked him 10,000 times, Lord, what I need is some more anointing. Please, give me some more anointing, because it's the anointing. That drives out the problem. It's the anointing that restores and heals the body. Anointing please. Please more. More. (laughs) If I told you how many times I said it. We'd be here for hours. Over the course of months. And but anyway. I remember distinctly. I was in. We had a little speakers room. That was across the hall from the auditorium. I was in there by myself. That afternoon. We were going to lay hands on people. For healing. And I was actually in the floor praying and saying, God, I need more anointing. <laughs> what did I, well, I'm about to go out there and, and believe with them for they're supposed to be die in three days and you're not going to die. I mean, we need some faith here. We need some power, right? <laughs> and I'm two years into the ministry. God, you got to give me some more anointing now. You know we need it. Come on, God, crank it up. 
Spool it up for me. I mean, come on, add to me. I was laying there on the floor, and I'm sure he was kind of tired of hearing that over and over. But, but he spoke to my heart. I don't mean I heard a voice, but inside me, like he'll speak to any Christian if you learn how to listen. He just one word. Faithfulness. Faithfulness. I stopped. I knew it was him. I sat up. Leaned up against the, I was sitting on the floor, leaning up against the couch. I said, Lord, faithfulness. I know that's you. Of course, you've got to remember now, this is 30 years ago. I have learned a couple of things since then. But I said, I'm going to do a study on that. Maybe tomorrow. But what I could really use right now. <laughs> what are you laughing about? Like you've never done anything like that. What I could really use right now is some anointing. We've got real problems out there, Lord. Please, could you just give me some more anointing? He said to me again, faithfulness. Faithfulness. I didn't realize he's answering me very specifically. You know, that happens a lot. That we ask the Lord for something and he gives it to us and we don't know that we got it. You know, the people were crying out. They didn't have anything to eat. And he rained bread out of the sky. And they said, man, you know what manna means? What is this? They didn't know that this is the answer to their prayer. <laughs> so he said to me again, faithfulness. And another time or two after that. So I, I stopped and I quit saying that. And I thought, Lord, help me. I don't see what you're talking about. And he said this to me. I wrote it down. He said, all of my children receive an anointing when they're filled with the Spirit. Hadn't thought about that, but is that true or not? Didn't the Bible say, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come on you? He said, all of my children receive an anointing when they're filled with the Spirit. He said, many of them have done nothing with that anointing. Why would they need more? He said, be faithful with what you have, and I'll add to you. Well, see, that, that's not what I'm wanting. <laughs> and that's, that's not what a lot of people want. And what I've come to find out since then, it's not just true with anointing. It's true with everything. It's true with revelation. It's true with opportunity. It's true with money. I said, it's true with money. Who is going to be privileged to handle these large sums? Who? Faith. Who's going to abound, there's that word, with blessings? Faithful people. Faithful people. If you're not faithful in a little bit, you wouldn't be faithful with a lot. I didn't say it, Jesus said it. And what's going on now that's I saw this today clearer than I've seen it before. If you're not faithful now, you wouldn't be faithful later in the kingdom of God. Didn't he say? Didn't he describe the situation and then say, uh, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. Now be what? Ruler over much. Isn't he determining who gets used in the future? Based on who's faithful here and now? It's the truth. 
I said, it's the truth. God is really big on faithfulness. He's really big on it. What does faithful mean? Help me out again. What does faithful mean? It means trustworthy. It means to be trusted. You can trust them. And you can count on them. Saying the same thing. You can rely on them. You can count on them. We need to answer the question though. Count on them to do what? Go with me to Luke 16. While you're going to Luke 16, put up Proverbs 20, verse 6, again on the screen. The Good News translation, if you can find it. I'll read it if you can't. You're going to Luke 16. Proverbs 20, verse 6, Good News, says it like this. It says, everyone talks about how loyal and faithful he is. But just try to find someone who really is. (laughs) How many people have you met And get to talking about something and they volunteer and say, oh, no, you can't trust me. (laughs) No, don't count on me. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) I am unreliable. When's the last time somebody told you that? (laughs) Is this true or not? Everybody talks about how loyal and faithful they are, but does that make them loyal and faithful? It does not. So you got a lot of people who are saying they are, and in actuality they're not. But they're not seeing it. And part of it, and this is the light I got today. I'm so excited. I want to tell you too quick. But we got to get to it. I got to do it right. You believe it with me or not? Part of it is that folks don't really understand faithfulness. They don't know what it is. We need light as to what it is. They think they are when they're not. They're calling something faithfulness that isn't faithfulness. The enemy's involved in this too. He's given people supernatural help to be confused about what faithfulness is. Do you want to be faithful? Anybody here want to be faithful? That boy, it's a great desire of my heart. I... Some things happened several decades ago where I saw there was a situation where the Lord could count on me and I was there and it just, it set off something in me and I thought, God has some go-to people in the earth. Now, if you hadn't found this out, just keep going and you will. There's a lot of people who don't listen to God and he's not going to make you do anything. Even if you are supposed to do something. You don't have to do it. But that doesn't mean God's overall plan is going to fail. What it does mean is he'll have to use somebody else. But he's so gracious and good, if you're supposed to do it, he will wait as long as he can for you to do it. But eventually they'll get to a place where he's going to let somebody else down if he keeps waiting on you. So he has to tap somebody else. And the person he taps can't mess around for two months. Because it's already gone late. He has to have somebody that when he deals with them, they do it. They do it now. They do it right. That's faithful. Somebody say faithful. Faithful. (laughs) The situation was this. 
uh, there was a, a minister brother in another part of the country. And uh, they were believing for some things. Strong. And I was, they told me about it. And I knew they weren't asking me for anything. They just wanted me to be believing with them. And I was. In fact, after I found out about it, I asked the Lord, Lord, should we do something about that? Should we be involved? And I felt in my spirit, this is why I didn't hear a voice, but I felt in my spirit, no, I'm already dealing with some people about that. And so I thought, well, okay, great. Well, it'll be done. Well, not too many days and weeks passed. And I got up one morning and wasn't thinking about those guys in the least. And the Lord prompted me, send these people X amount, wire it to them today, this morning, now. Well, that's all we had in the account in the ministry. These are funds that are not designated, just operating stuff. And so I was confused. I thought, Lord, I thought you said (laughs) you were dealing with some other people. I don't understand. And I didn't hear anything, but I just knew. I just knew in my mind, they're not doing it. They've drugged their feet and drugged their feet, and they're not going to do it. And I thought, okay, all right. And when I, when we did, I talked to Phyllis, and we got things rolling in the office. And, and up in my spirit, the Lord said, thank you. Taking care of that. Man, I felt like I was about that high off the ground. For the rest of the week. And without saying it. I felt like I can be. And and you can too. I can be one of God's go to guys. When he needs something done. And he needs it done now. And he needs it done the way he wants it done right now. And other folk are not listening and dragging their feet. I can be that person. He's got many. I don't mean to say he doesn't have but a couple. But worldwide, compared to the millions and millions of Christians, I don't believe it's a big percentage. So many people, something comes up, they don't pay enough attention to it, or they think, yeah, maybe I'll do that. And then they get so involved in the world, they forget about it for weeks. Or something else comes up and they think, well, I can't do that. I can't afford to do that right now. I got this, I got this. And so weeks turn into months. Sometimes months turn into years. And it gets to the point where he has to use somebody else. Well, when God gets ready to distribute larger portions to be handled, who's he going to use? Who's he going to let handle these larger resources? Who would you let handle larger resources? Somebody that didn't do what you told them to do the last 12 times? No. How many figure he's at least as smart as you? Let's go ahead and say a lot more. Luke 16 tells about what a steward is. In Luke 16, 1, he said to his disciples, There was a certain rich man which had a steward, and the same was accused of him that he had wasted his goods. Now, a steward is somebody who's been entrusted To handle someone else's stuff. A steward is not an owner. Say it out loud. A steward steward is not an owner. We'd probably use the word today manager. Manager describes. How many understand whether you're talking about a restaurant or a business or a store. Manager doesn't mean they own it. Doesn't mean it's their store. But they are. Handling the business of taking care of what's going on, 
That's what a steward is. And he said he was accused that he had wasted his goods. So is the manager doing with the rich man's goods what the rich man wants done with them? Does the rich man want the manager to waste his stuff? No. So this is unfaithfulness. Isn't it? And so he called him and he said, how is it that I hear this of you? Give an account of your stewardship for you may be no longer steward. I'm not going to let you manage my stuff anymore. Why? Because you're not doing with it what I want done with it. You're wasting it. That's not what I wanted done with it. Now, in uh, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, and the fourth chapter, and the first verse. Oh, thank you, Lord. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 1. Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ, and what? Stewards. Are managers or handlers of the mysteries of God. I began to see this a couple of weeks ago, stronger and stronger, in this series. Because the same thing happened with this series. Every time I start talking about abundance and abounding, I wind up over on faithfulness. <laughs> I'm trying to talk about overflow, and I keep winding up on faithfulness. Can anybody see why that would be? Because Is it hard for the Lord to get major resources in our hands? Absolutely no. How easy it must be for him to get vast resources in our hands. That's never been the problem. What has been the problem? Men and women, his men and women that will actually do with it what he tells them to do. That has been a big problem. Huge problem. And everybody would be quick to tell you, oh yeah, yeah, I'd handle it right. Oh yeah, faithful, call me faithful. (laughs) But the truth is, they haven't been. They might not want to look at it. They might not want to admit it. But the truth is, they just haven't been faithful. And so, they don't qualify. But they can. (laughs) I said they can. We can make changes. One of the changes is. Don't assume. You're faithful. Don't presume. You have been. (laughs) Be willing. To make some changes. And adjustments. To become what he calls. Faithful. Why don't you pray it right now out loud. Father God. Show me me what you say say faithful is. is. Because whatever you say is faithful. faithful, That's what it is. It It doesn't matter matter. what anybody else says. says. Show me me what it really is. is. In Jesus' name, name, I ask it. Thank you, Lord. You believe he'll answer that prayer for you? Absolutely. He said... Moreover, verse 2, it is required in a steward that a man be found what? Faithful. Faithful. This is the essential requirement 
for stewardship, which is to say this is the essential requirement, and we should already know this, for handling someone else's affairs and business, is that they've got to be able to trust you and rely on you. Now here's the question, rely on you to do what? (laughs) Keep reading. A person who's put in charge as a manager, the New Living says, must be faithful. The Dewey translation, this is Dewey Rams, it says, Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and the dispensers of the mysteries of God. This word's very accurate too. I like it, don't you? Dispensers. What does a manager do? Dispense means to deal out the portion where it's supposed to go at the right time. Dispensers. And keep reading. Here now it is required among the dispensers that a man be found faithful. In doing what? In dispensing. Dispensing what? What's supposed to be, where it's supposed to be, when it's supposed to be. According to whom? (laughs) Here's the thing. Here's the light. Don't let it be too simple for you. Would you say that being faithful is doing the absolute best you know how to take care of it? You'd be wrong. (laughs) Because it's not yours. It's being faithful doing the absolute best you know how to take care of it. No. Because it's not yours to do with as you think best. That's where people have run off the road. Have missed the mark. Let me read another translation. Maybe this will lock it for us. The Living Bible. Verse 2. says, Now the most important thing about a servant or that's the word for steward, is what? Here he defines faithfulness. What is faithfulness? Doing the best you know how? No. Doing just what his master tells him to do. Exactly what he was directed to do. What the Lord is in such need of throughout the body of Christ is not faith heroes that go above and beyond the call. He needs men and women that will follow orders and not change it. Do it exactly the way he told them to do it. Without changes, without variations, without delays, without additions. That is faithful. Faithful is not doing your best. Trying real hard. That's not faithful. Faithful is doing it exactly. I mean, we use that terminology when we say this painting is a faithful representation of that. What does that mean? That means they didn't paint a different scene. Are we excited about this or not? <laughs> Let me read you some examples of faithfulness. We take just a few minutes and do this. Let's get this locked in us. 
Because I, I have seen in my 30 years of ministry, I have seen this over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. We've all made mistakes in these areas. But I'm telling you, if you and I don't adjust this, we can miss whole parts of what God has for us and not be qualified. Beware of the better idea. Beware. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The quote. Better idea. Because it's a change. It's a change. Did the Lord say concerning his word in Revelation? Don't add to it. Don't take away from it. What does that mean? Keep it just like it is. Well, now you think about what, what arrogance it is to think you could modify the Lord's word some and improve it. What are you going to do with his word? Did you ever do this in school to where they had a line of kids or teenagers or whoever lined up and they whispered one thing to one person on the end and then they whispered it to the next person and they whispered it to the next person? Did you ever do that? How many did? Let me see a hand. If you, if you did some form of that, then they whispered it to the next person and to the next person, whether it was 10 people or 25 people. What happened? What happened by the time it got to the end? Why? One word. Unfaithful. <laughs> unfaithful. Perfect example of unfaithfulness. Why? Because they felt free to modify it, to put it in their own words, to say what they thought it meant instead of what they said. They felt too free to change it, which means they didn't respect what was said. And by the time it's down here to the end, it's not the same phrase. It may not even have the same meaning. That's unfaithfulness. Unfaithfulness. How many want to be faithful in here? Was Jesus faithful? That's one of his great names. Faithful and true. How did he do things down here? He did as he saw best. He did the very best he could to deal with the situation in the way he thought it ought to be dealt with. And he worked real hard at it. No, he didn't. I said, no, he didn't. He said, I came down from heaven, what? Not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. I only say what I hear him say and do what I see him do. Was he very particular about it and meticulous about it? Did he handle in his earth walk, did he handle amazing amounts of revelation and anointing and power? Why? He qualifies. The Bible said Moses was faithful. You remember that? The Bible said Moses was faithful in all his house. Listen to what this is connected to, Hebrews 8, 5. It said when that Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle, God told him, see that you make all things according to the pattern showed you in the mount. He gave him a blueprint. What did he say? See that you do it just like this. What if they were out of certain kinds of wood? Would it have been okay to substitute some oak or some pine? Are you sure? Are you sure? What if you got a better deal on silver? 
Let's just make it, Lord said make it out of gold, but you know, silver's pretty too. Are you sure? But it's okay for us to change stuff up. <laughs> yes, no? God's changed a lot. He softened up. He's a lot looser nowadays than he was back then. What do you think? <laughs> it's an interesting read. If you'll go back and read in I, what is it, uh, Exodus, is it 40 or so, and different places in there, where he made, they made the tabernacle. I mean, it must say it 20 times or more. Uh, and the Lord said to Moses, and Moses did according to what the Lord said. And the Lord said to Moses, and Moses did according to what. That's why it was Moses instead of somebody else. Somebody say faithful. faithful. What is faithful? Faithful is not doing the best you know how to do. It's not yours to do with as you see fit. Faithful, because it's his, then you do with it exactly what he says he wants done with it. That's faithful. No matter what you think. Some of y'all have heard us tell this story before, but again, it'll bear repetition. I said that we were able to minister with Brother Kenneth Hagin and his wife, Miss Aretha. And after years, we also were able to do some things with them personally. And we're over at their house sometime. And, and um, Phyllis and I are from the South. So we know about vegetables. I mean, we grew our own crops multiple generations in the country. And, and uh, man, we've seen a lot of corn. We've seen a lot of tomatoes and peas and whatever. Well, anyway, uh, Brother Hagen was, had some tomatoes in their kitchen one night. And he wanted Phyllis to come help peel the tomato and so uh, uh, she came and she started he said no 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 <laughs> and so she stopped and he showed her how to peel a tomato now this woman and my mom and grandmom have canned tons of tomatoes and we've seen some tomatoes in our time but that is completely irrelevant because this is not our tomato. It's Brother Hagen's tomato. How should you peel Brother Hagen's tomato? Exactly the way Brother Hagen wants his tomato peeled because it's his tomato. It's not your tomato. Now, you back to your house the next day and you got your tomato, peel it ever how you like. But, but don't peel his tomato. But how many people, whether in something little or big, they say, look, I've been doing this for 30 years, okay? I know how to do this. Before they say another word, you know, unfaithful. Unfaithful. They may know how to do it, but they don't know how to be faithful. I don't care if you can. If you have proof that you can do it the best in the world, that doesn't make you faithful. Because if it's not your tomato, <laughs> what's faithful? Listen. The Lord said this in 1 Samuel 2. The existing priests had been very unfaithful. By that, they did not do what the Lord told them to do. But 1 Samuel 2, the Lord said, verse 35, he said, I will raise me up a faithful priest. How many know God's going to have some faithful people? Even if there are a lot of folks that's not, he's going to have some. And they're going to be his go-to people. How many would volunteer and say, I'd like to be one of those? Will it require some changes in you? It major changes in you. 
He said, I'll raise me up a faithful priest that'll do what? What's faithful? That shall do according to that which is in my heart and my mind. And I'll build him a sure house and he'll walk before mine anointed forever. What's a faithful man? What's a faithful priest? He'll do what he says. The way he says. A man after his own heart? That's what it is. Somebody that'll do it his way. Do it his way. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Go to Philippians 2. I want this cemented in you. Sealed. We want to bolt it down. Weld it in. In Philippians 2, Paul said this about another man. A man named Timothy. Philippians 2.20. He said about Timothy. He said, I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. Like-minded to who? To him, to Paul. Verse 21, for what? All seek their own. What was Paul's experience? Everybody is trying to do something for themselves and doing it their own way. And he's saying Timothy's different. And not the things that are Jesus Christ. But you know the proof of him, Timothy, that as a son with the father, he served with me in the gospel. In 1 Corinthians 4.17, just, they'll just put it up there for you. 1 Corinthians 4.17, he says, For this cause have I sent to you Timotheus, who's my beloved son and faithful in the Lord. What is he? Faithful. He's faithful in the Lord. How do we know he's faithful? He will bring you in remembrance of what he thinks is best on this. No. Of what? My ways. If he's there representing him, it'd have to be what he had said, or else why is this unfaithful? He'll bring you into remembrance of my ways which be in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church. In other words, Paul knew he could trust Timothy that when he sent him to these churches, he's not undermining what he said or contradicting something he said. He's representing him and saying the same things that he said in all the churches everywhere they went. Somebody say faithful. Faithful. Now, if he thinks something ought to be different than if he ever is in a place where he's over churches, he can do it the way he thinks it ought to be done. But if he changes it while he's representing Paul, he's what? He's unfaithful. Now go with me in closing to Luke, please. How did we get started off talking about this? We started talking about abundance. We started talking about the wealth of the sinner. Laid up for the just. We started talking about billions that are stuffed away in numbered accounts. That's going to come out of there someday and somebody's going to handle it. Who's going to handle it? Not just because you're a Christian. Not just because you go to church. And thank you, Lord. I was about to forget that. Thank you, Lord. The Lord uh, directed me that I wasn't strong enough on something a while back. Because I... I kind of tiptoed around it. Because <laughs> I know people are touchy about this. And I don't like ruffling feathers unnecessarily. <laughs> but the Lord said, make it plain. <laughs> Be very clear about it. In Luke 16, in this passage, 
Let's read it and then I'll, I'll say it in connection with this. In Luke 16, let me just read more than one, one phrase of this. Down here about verse 10, I think it is. Luke 16 and 10. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. He that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. There are a number of people that are saying, well, I've been here. I've been around. I've been in the church for 10 years. I've been in the ministry for 20 years. But have you been faithful? When am I going to get to handle more? When am I going to get more responsibilities? When am I going to get more place? When am I going to get more authority? Have you been faithful in what you were given? If you haven't been faithful in what you were given, it's foolish to expect to be given more. People would be foolish to put more in your charge. What you've got is unfaithful people in many places that want to be treated like they're faithful. We've had people we don't even know. Strangers. I mean, first time you ever saw them. Come up and say, I've got all these qualifications and the Lord dealt with me to oversee this part of the ministry for you. We've had more than one person said the Lord told them to be over our accounting. First time you ever laid eyes on them. <laughs> now if we said, great, great, take it over, run it, let us know how it's going. What would that be? That'd be a fool. That'd be a fool. You'll see whether it's deacons, whether it's helpers, whether it's people waiting tables, whatever it is, the Bible says, let them first be proved. What does that mean? You give them a small charge. And how would we know if they're faithful with the small charge? Because they did a really good job with it. No. No, this is the light I was talking about because they worked really hard. They got up early. They stayed up late. They spent a bunch of money on it. They did a bunch of things they didn't have to do. No, 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 no. What's faithful? Tell me what's faithful. They did exactly what they were instructed to do the way they were instructed to do it. If they did, what do you know? I could trust them with more. Should you give $10,000 to somebody to handle that did exactly the opposite of what you told them to do with $10? Should you? Are you sure? Here's the thing the Lord told me to make plain. He said, if you're not faithful with the tithe, you don't qualify for more. Was that clear enough? Or yeah, pretty, pretty clear. <laughs> and here's the thing you got to get clear on. Is the tithe yours? Or his? And that's where people are still bogged up about it. Yeah, yeah, it's his. If it's his, then you should not feel free to do with it what you want to do. When and how. And if you are, then you're not faithful with that. And you don't qualify for more. And how much of the body of Christ do you suppose 
has not been faithful with the tithe. So then it wouldn't be shocking that we don't see great resources moving through their hands. Because after decades, they still haven't done what he told them to do with the tithe. That was the part I tiptoed around. And I don't think I did this time, did I? Okay. Okay. Now, if you say, well, I don't agree with you, make sure if it's me or not. Is it just me? I'm not talking about tithing to this church. I'm talking about tithing to the Lord. Between you and him. Forget about this church. Forget about me and any of that in your decision and in your commitment. We're talking about does the tithe belong to him? And I know Phyllis and I made made mistakes with this for years ourselves, until we finally saw it and got it settled and I know it was the beginning. I remember distinctly one of the first stewardship things that we did. It was $10. And the Lord directed us to put five of it in the offering and to buy tape with the other five. Now that might not sound like a big deal, but it is a big deal. Because if we hadn't done what he told us to do with that ten, do you think he'd have ever let us manage millions? God's not foolish. But then it was more, it was hundreds, and then it was thousands, and it was this. And at any time along the way, if you stop Doing what he told you to do with it, well, then you stop qualifying to handle more. And I, I'm excited about this. I know it's kind of quiet tonight. And I know some of this you have to think about. And you need to. This is serious business. Some people are going to get promoted. Some people are going to handle so much more than they ever thought they would. Not everybody is, but it's up to you. It's up to me. Whether we're faithful or not, I'm excited. We've been able in the ministry thus far to handle some larger amounts. But I can see with this word production center coming online. I can see the prospect if we'll be faithful. If we'll do what he tells us to do with it. We could handle billions. In getting. Just putting a blanket of the word of the gospel. Across the world. Do you believe it? It'd take a lot to do that. But how much is that to God? That's, he creates planets. I mean, that's got to be so little to him. But who qualifies to handle it? We need to quit begging for more. Just like I was begging for anointing. We need to quit that. That's not faith and that's not how it works. God would need more money. Do you? Reckon he's saying the same thing to people he said to me? Faithful. Friend, don't think about me when you think about tithing. Put your nose in the Bible. Seek the Lord on your own about this. But don't let it be about money. Get it settled in your heart. Do you remember what Jesus said? Render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's. And unto God the things that are God's. What does that mean? Is there a portion? Uh, was there a portion that was Caesar's? Was all of it Caesar's? No. There's a specific portion. Just like the IRS will tell you. They have a portion. Right? Thankfully, not yet do they say it's all theirs. A portion. Well, does God have a portion? People try to hyper-spirit, well, all of it's God's. No, 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 no. If it's all his, you've got nothing to give him. And if it's all his, you shouldn't use any of it for yourself. 
That's wrong thinking. Is there a portion that's his? That was in the law. It was before the law ever came into existence. And it's after the law. It's in Genesis and it's in Hebrews. That's pre-law and post-law. It's not about being technical. It's not about legalism. It's about do you acknowledge God is my source and I wouldn't have anything if it wasn't for him. And he said the first portion, the 10% is his. And so I gladly demonstrate he can count on me to do what he tells me to do with this. It's his. So I put it in his works where he shows me to. And do you suppose that could qualify you? I said that could qualify you for something else. Read these other verses and we'll be done for the evening, I think. He says, he that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. He that is unjust in, in the least is unjust in much. If therefore you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you've not been faithful in that which is another man's, who will give you that which is your own? If you're to ever have your own, where you do have the right of say so over it, that it is to be done this way. Somebody says, well, it ought to be done the Lord's way. Absolutely. But who gets to say what that is? There's leadership. There's, there's place. And so if you are to get to the place, whatever it is, where you can say, this is mine, I have the oversight of it. It'll be because of what? You were faithful in what was not yours. It wasn't yours. It was somebody else's. And if it was theirs, how do you peel Brother Hagin's tomato? Come on, help me out. Help me out. Help me out. He had a very specific way. It was the Texas way. The East Texas way. It wasn't the Mississippi or Alabama or Florida way. It was the East Texas 1940s way. Who's to say that's worse or better? But that's completely irrelevant, right? Right? And here's the question. Can you be happy with your vast knowledge and experience of tomato peeling? Can you be perfectly content and happy peeling Brother Hagen's tomato another way? Can you? Can you without standing there fuming going, what do you think I peeled a million tomatoes in my time you're going to come tell me how to peel it what is that unfaithful yeah pride and and, and unfaithful unfaithful can that disqualify you what did he tell him yeah you did it but you weren't willing oh but if you'll be faithful in that which is another man's actually we were with the Hagens for 20 plus years and I remember two years before we left and did some other things. The Lord said to Phyllis and I by the Spirit, I'm going to give you your own. Now it's his, but we're not under headship to direct it another way. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yes. And it has been so wonderful. It has been so wonderful. Sometimes you wish they were around, you could ask them about some of it. But, but is it true that if you've been faithful in that which is another man's, the Lord give you what is your own? Stand on your feet, everybody. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries 
and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.